Our passage today is out of Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And rolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The word of God for all people. So welcome to the second Sunday of Advent. Go tell it on the mountain. Advent is the time of year that we take breath, we pause and remember to celebrate the birth of God. The time to celebrate, hopefully with grateful hearts, that, that God came, became man, he became, when we say incarnate, in human flesh, God came and, and he was the incarnation uh, of God in Jesus Christ. It's also a time that, that we acknowledge that we are, uh, I would say patiently waiting, but I'm getting more and more impatient about God's returning or to come back for the second, for the second coming of Christ. And, but as we wait, Jesus calls us to participate in acts of compassion, preparing the way uh, Randy talked about. This is what we're about in this place. And I love that we are participating inside and outside the walls of this church and the lives of others and, and it's, uh, what we're called to do. Because what we're doing is preparing the way for people to experience the freedom that comes from the good news of the gospel. But participate is the key word. Christianity is a participation sport. It's not a it's not a watch from the from the sidelines kind of thing. It's we are on the field. And James tells us this in James one, beginning at verse twenty two. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious, yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. See, living out our religion through participation is huge! Huge! Sorry, I didn't have a wig. Huge! <laughs> I met Joe Spinks on a walk to Omega weekend. Now, Joe is currently in his late 80s. I think I met him when he was in his 70s. He lived life, he lived a full life. He, lived, he, he worked hard, he worked outside, and when you look at him, you, you see it. Joe, Joe is, you could call it say, he's a grizzled guy. Uh, he uh, has a, a, a deep tan, and, and you can tell that he has worked outside most of his life. Now, none of those things are what drew me to Joe, or what continued to draw me to Joe. It was more, he's much more than that. I was serving uh, communion at a team meeting early in my uh, pastoral career. Joe happened to be on the team, and Joe was the, the head chapel, which means that his job was to set up communion and be prepared for that. And Joe messed up the setup. He didn't do it the way that it was usually done. Uh, he he had things in the wrong place. And so leaving me, I just kind of rolled with it. And he had this scarf thing up there. 
the, that, cut, that, that hit me when I saw that scar, it reminded me of the story of the woman with the hemorrhage, right, who, who was following Jesus, just wanted healing, just, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be healed. And I saw that scar there, and so, so I, I decided I wanted to, to do something with that. And God transformed that moment into something very special. See, I, I had Joe, so I had two communion guys that were serving communion, and I had Joe, and he held the star. And, and Joe, I didn't tell Joe how to hold it, but I will never forget what he looked like as he held the scar, and he held it right here. And think that Joe was a weathered face, and, and he held it here, and the cloth came down, and people would come up and they would take communion. And Joe started crying. Because that cloth represented the hem of Jesus' garment. And he knew. And he knew that he had been healed through that, touching the hem of that garment. And as the men came forward, they'd take communion and they would touch the hem of the garment of Jesus. And God moved. God moved. Some of them started crying, some of them started praying. All of them started talking about what God was in their life. Now, I'll never forget Joe Spence. Free in his faith to the point that he didn't care what people thought of him. Holding, holding the garment with tears running down his face as he portrayed Jesus Christ in that moment. That's Joe's faith. But Joe was also this. Child of God. Hey Joe, who are you? I'm child of God. That is an eight-year-old guy who's walking around going, I'm child of God. He's a beautiful man. You don't know Joe very long before he's going to want you to know that he's a child of God. And that he loves you. And that he loves you. I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of men and women who this has become powerful in their lives. We joke about it in a man. Joe's free. But he's free in his faith. He's not hampered by worrying about what other people think about his faith. He lets go and let God be who God wants to be. And because he's willing to do that, he, God touches men through him in powerful and amazing ways. Ways that we wouldn't normally see. You see, we often miss Jesus because we haven't correctly understood how God is in our midst. And then we, we have this vision, or I do anyway, often of, of okay, God, if you're in our midst, let me see you. And it's like he does it every day, but I want to see this glorious thing. And, and, and he, then he'll send somebody like Joe Spake to say, no, Mike, it's this. It's this. I'm a child of God. That's God in, in our midst. And as we begin to study Jesus, the way he taught us, and, and allow those stories to sink into our hearts and our minds, we begin to notice the light of Jesus is in every person that we come in contact with. It might be dim. It might be almost out. Sometimes it's so bright that you know it. But that light, that Imago day, every person is made in the image of God himself. And, and that light of Christ, it, it, there's a flicker of the divine in each of us. And we see in the ministry teachings of Jesus that loving our neighbors means meeting them where they are and looking beyond their circumstances. Now, we're terrible at this in the church. We don't do this well. We like to meet people where, if we say come as you are, we mean come as we want you to see. We meet them where they are, and then we immediately try to make them into what we think they ought to be. I, I immediately try to make them into what I think the picture of, of a good Christian is. Or I have in my past. I try really hard not to anymore, because I'm trying to 
trust that God knows where they need to be a little bit more than I do. And that my divine frame of Christianity may not be exactly what that person needs to do or be in their life. God might have a bigger plan for them than maybe what I can see. And my job becomes, do I trust God enough? That he's going to take that person and he's going to move them to the place he has prepared for them or do I really think that my way is the right way? And the only way. See, the body of Christ is diverse. And it's supposed to be. We're different. In case you haven't noticed, take a look. Tell the person, hey, I'm here from you. Tell the person, hey, you. <laughs> yeah, some of y'all are no kidding. <laughs> we're diverse and we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to be the same. We're supposed to be. But if there's room in the body of Christ for all of us, every single one of us, it doesn't matter where we come from, it doesn't matter. What, what you've done or what you haven't done or anything, none of that stuff matters. Come into the body of Christ and be who you are and let God move you to a new place. Dear you, God, God doesn't leave us where we are. Love us too much to do that. He's going to keep pushing at it to move us to a new place. Even if that doesn't look like a place that I'm not familiar with. He might want your own, he might need to be some place that might mind doesn't let know about. God may have bigger plans than that. Yeah. <laughs> it is scary, but it's a good thing. If we can get that, if we can grab hold of that, then we can see how God is inviting all of us to, to be a reflection of Him. God in the midst is us. God in the midst of our community is you and me in our community. God in the midst of this world of ours is us in the world, being who we are called to be for Him. That's what it means. And if we're able to do that, then we can love our neighbors where they are because we trust that God is going to move them to a new place. I don't have to. He will. He's bigger. He's smarter. He knows more than me. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. Y'all all say, great God. He almost knows more than mine. You know, that's a good thing. You know? and, but I bring a set of gifts, and you bring a set of gifts into the body of Christ, and God says, come on, I, I got something that I want you to do that, that no one else can do. I've gifted you for it. I've gifted you for it. Sam, I gifted you for it so that you can play some funky verses of Go Tell It on the Mountain. <laughs> because it was cool, and Jerry and I were going to start tap dancing, but then we realized we can't dance. <laughs> God brings each of us with our gifts together, diverse, yet good, so that we can be a powerful, powerful and complete body of Christ. That's what we're called to. That's the beauty of it. At the synagogue, Jesus claimed a prophecy about Isaiah 58. said he was sent to preach the gospel to those whose lives seemed stifled in that moment economically, socially, physically, mentally. He went to a people that were under oppression by the Romans. That's the world Jesus came into. It wasn't honey and roses. Ugly. Kind of like our world today. Just saying. Ugly. And he came. And just as that was his mission, it's ours to bring healing to places where healing doesn't want, want a hand. To bring compassion to places where that is difficult. To set people free. He wants to use you and me to set people free. How crazy is that? That's what he wants to do. 
And one of the best ways, the most powerful way that we set this free is to simply affirm that we're all distinct, that we are created and endowed with these gifts to participate in God's work together. You may have noticed throughout the Gospels, if you've been reading about through the Gospels recently, the disciples were ordinary people living ordinary lives. Cast your net on the other side, Peter. I don't know what good that's going to do. But because you said it, I'm going to go ahead and do it. They have to call the sons of Zebedee, James and John, out to bring the, 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 the catch in. And, and that's the beginning, because then what he does is Peter, Simon at that point, James and John, quit their job. They were fishermen. Gave up everything in their life to follow this man. They didn't know who he was. They said, I'm following you. And that's courage. That's courage. And Jesus is inviting us daily to follow him. He's inviting us into his world, into what he's up to in the world, because he's up to stuff. I know that the news is filled with junk. We spent our whole house that we didn't get anywhere this morning on Sunday, so we talked about us brought in news. And that was it. It was over. You know, good, great conversation, you know, about what's going on in our world. God is in the midst of it moving, though. Moving powerfully in Africa, moving powerfully all over the world. And he wants us to be a part of it here. He wants to move here. And he wants us as the Christian church to, to be a part of that movement, to join in the mission that he gave us, to bring grace and unconditional love to all to bring the idea of repentance, which simply means to turn, to turn away from, to repent and claim this love that, that of Christ that we've been given, to teach people that it's, it's not complicated. God's love is not complicated. Yes, it requires something of us. It doesn't require something of you. It requires things of me, and it will continue to do so. But those are good things, guys. There's an eternity that we're waiting on, and too often we get lost in the worries of today, forgetting what's the promise is. So I, I lose my vision for what can be as I worry about today, and then I'm of no earthly use to God, and I, and I can't even keep my sight straight. When I have my eye on my eternity and my feet, and today everything can change, I'm available for God. I'm afraid that you begin to think in those terms that it's okay. Well, what's going on today? Don't be scared about this stuff. It's, you know, Randy and I talk, this is a natural thing. We are, this is the deal. This is the deal. We're headed to the end, the second coming of Christ, the end of all things as we know That's part of the deal. It's not unknown, it's not unforeseen, it's predicted. How are we going to act in the midst of it? We're going to be, be afraid? We have Christians in the Middle East who, who are getting beheaded, beheaded because they will not give up Jesus Christ. We won't do that. We won't give up something for him. And Jesus was sent to set us free so that we could fully live. To set us free from our worries of today so that we could learn to live in the freedom that comes from Him. And His words have as much power now as they ever did. 
Have you been catching anything? Are you willing to cast your net on the other side of the boat? <coughs> Jesus came out to you and, and, and he said, Leave this, you know, I need you to cast your net on the other side of the boat. Are you willing to do it? Too often we keep the net in the same side, we're not catching anything, and we, you know, we keep it in the water. All we're doing is getting the net wet. In January 2000, leaders in Charlotte, North Carolina, invited uh, one of their favorite times, a gentleman that you may have heard of, his name is Billy Graham, to a lunch in Atlanta. Now, he initially hesitated at the invitation because Billy had Parkinson's disease and he didn't want to be embarrassed. But the Charlotte leader said, look, we don't want, we don't expect a major address, we just, we want to honor you, so please come. So he did, and after a lot of really wonderful things were said about him, he stepped up to the podium with the crowd and he said, I'm reminded today of Albert Einstein, the great physicist who this month was honored by Time Magazine as Man of the Year. Seems Einstein was once traveling from Princeton on a train when the conductor came down the aisle and he was punching the tickets of every passenger. He got to Einstein, Einstein reached into his vest pocket and couldn't find the ticket, so he checked his traveling pocket, he couldn't find it, he got out his briefcase and he was looking there for it, he couldn't find it, he was checking the side on the seat, still couldn't find it, and the conductor said, hang on, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are, I'm sure you bought a ticket, don't worry about it. And then he went off and went out his business. And and I mean, he looked back, and Dr. Einstein was over. Oh, he was looking underneath the, 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 the chair. He was trying to find the ticket. So he runs back, and he says, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't worry about it. I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket. I don't need to see your ticket. And Einstein looked at him and said, young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I am going. <laughs> My children and grandchildren have been telling me lately that I've been getting a little bit sloppy in my dress. I used to be a bit more conceited. So I went out and bought a new suit for this luncheon and for one more occasion. You know what that occasion is? This is the suit in which I'll be there. But when you hear I'm dead, I don't want you to remember the suit I'm wearing. I want you to remember I not only know who I am, I know where I am. How about you? See, truth freedom comes when we surrender ourselves to God and decide to follow Him, to know who I am and whose I am, to know where I'm going. I hope you have that in your life. We're here to take communion. We will close with Go Tell on the Mountain. The altar is always open for prayer, if you have a burden to leave or any of those types of things. But if you don't know this God, you want or you want to come back and have somebody pray with you. As you know, just raise your hand give you that to that kid and ride or pray with There is nothing going on in your life that God cannot reach. And you are not alone. Ever.